This episode of Bomber Breakdown is brought to you by the entire Czech Republic baseball team, with the exception of Eric Sogar. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Bomba Breakdown. Me and Malcolm have got a little bit of a different setup going on. New, some new anchor changes have caused some tech issues. So we're on a Zoom recording. We can see each other. Um, that probably won't be the same for you guys when you're listening. But uh, this is kind of an interesting, different feel. Yeah, if you have interest in seeing us um, while we see our recordings, we could consider posting them to YouTube. But we need some outreach. Let us know if that's something you're interested in for the future. Um, in the meantime, we're going to keep just posting on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever else you get your podcasts. Sorry, it's not the end of the podcast. <laughs> I sure this is gonna a little more baseball off. to talk about first. <laughs> um, today's a big day. Today's the first day of baseball, high school baseball season in Minnesota. Um, Arm Care Week started today. Teams got together with their coaches for the first time all year. And... For me, that's really exciting. Mark's one day closer to spring. If you look outside, that's obviously not the case. But looking at Florida and Miami and uh, Taiwan and Tokyo and Arizona, there's it's looking real nice for baseball there, Max. Yeah, I'm, I'm liking it a lot. Uh, funny little little thing too. Um, so me and Malcolm are both doing high school baseball, of course. So we've got our ramp up week this week, and uh, <laughs> I. Uh, I had a physical that I thought was up to date and it turns out they didn't have it on file. So when I was registering and completing that, they said they didn't have my physical, which is kind of worrisome because, you know, my doctor, I think is out, out of office until like Thursday. So I was worried that I can't show up to the ramp up the um, arm care week before or until I'm registered. Um, but I think I'm, we're getting it figured out. So that was just a funny, I, I couldn't go today though. That's a, so that was a shame, but. That's just a weird little ongoing thing, but I, yeah, it's, uh, it snowed a little bit Saturday into Sunday. So a couple of days ago, um, got a few inches. And so it doesn't really seem like it's slowing down. I'm pretty sure we're going to get some snow Thursday or Friday. So there's a lot of, it's, it's, it's a Minnesota winter, man. Just keeps dragging on and on and on, but we look to happier places. We look to baseball and we look to the world baseball classic, Max. This has been some really exciting baseball being played. Um, uh, twins are still going in spring training, but I think it's eight guys in the twins are off playing for their respective countries in the world baseball classic, including five or six playing with team Puerto Rico. Um, and it's been really fun just to get to watch the baseball. The competitive atmosphere has been incredible. It feels like a playoff game. Every time the crowds have been vested, hyped. It's been super fun to watch. Max, what are your thoughts on the world baseball classic so far? Man, this is, this is, this is so much fun. I, uh, 2017 was when the last World Baseball Classic happened. Yeah, U.S. won that. Um, that was just such a different team. I think Goldschmidt and Arenado are the only two returning uh, players. Uh, but that was guys like Adam Jones. I think Eric Hosmer was on that team. Buster Posey, um, Giancarlo Stanton, guys like that uh, led led the U.S. But it's just kind of everything is just a lot of fun. I don't even know if there have been any walk-offs yet have there besides like for a mercy rule or anything have there been any walk-offs i don't think any outright walk-offs no but because there have been a lot of you know like further away games but um yet i just feel like 
it's so electric. And I think a big part of that is the crowds from different countries. And that's something that I had never really thought of before, I guess. And I, I notice it a lot now is um, watching, we were just talking about this, the Chinese Taipei, um, you know, which is Taiwan. Uh, their crowd is, is very, um, it has this uniformality, but this really explosive, exciting kind of like, they're always batting these batons. They've got people dancing on the dugouts. They've got a really just a fun atmosphere and they're always into it. They were down like nine zero the other day and they, they hit a seeing eye single up the middle. They were clapping, grounded into a double play. The next guy took a ball and everybody was like, was freaking out. So it was, it was just a lot of fun to watch. And then, um, then you get to teams like Venezuela, Dominican Republic, that Venezuela Dominican Republic game was another kind of electric. Um, Anthony Santander was, a was, um, a hero in that loose rise made a nice play at first and, and uh, he's been he's been doing pretty well so far um and you know pablo lopez with a really good start that that game too so it's been it's been a lot of fun watching um teams like that but again like these venezuela uh even you know puerto rico uh, japan fans too have been really into it um but all these other fans are playing you know you've got cowboys that cowbells they've got drums they've got music they've, they're like holding flags and waving them around it's just a great electricity um that i think unfortunately the um the u.s especially in a world baseball classic so far lacks yeah and i think it's interesting your comments about the fan energy because a lot of that is obviously driven by national pride a lot of these countries they want to go out and win the world baseball class they want to show that their country is the premier baseball nation in the world or one of the premier baseball nations in the world. But a lot of it is also to different culture around baseball in these other countries compared to the U.S. Like you go to a game in the U.S. and the energy is much more calm. It's a round of applause and you cheer when there's a home run or a walk-off. But like for the most part, it'll be like a nice casual round of applause. We'll, we won't really stand up much. It's more of a let's go have a fun day at the ballpark and talk. To, and it's a family event and you're just going to talk and and – Japan, I know I've heard before and been really curious to witness just the fan energy because I know they're like the crowds are just through the roof. They're screaming their heads off and cheering all the time. And that's just the way they approach the game. And for me, that's much more the way I approach watching baseball. I'm on my feet. I'm chanting. I'm yelling. And I think that's an energy that really appeals to me. So getting to watch that with regularity is super fun. And to go to one of those games would just be another level of hype. Um, yeah, no, it's, and I, I just love the, the energy that I'm watching the, or kind of in the background, it's the Puerto Rico Israel game and Puerto Rico just lost to Venezuela as well. But, um, you know, the Puerto Rico fans are, are one big thing I've noticed a lot. They're always super hype. They've always got these different, like not stereotypes, but these different, like, um, uh, chants or, or like expressions that they'll use or, uh, body movements that they'll continue to use over and over again it's just um the u.s they kind of do that like salute thing they clap a lot and I, I feel like i'm digging a lot at the u.s here um but uh, it's just a different it's because it's a different kind of baseball and a different kind of energy that especially in pool play it's pool play and i haven't really seen this kind of energy um so anyways that's a lot of that's a lot of fun currently where th as things stand um pool a and pool B are completely done playing pool play. Um, and there was a five way split in pool A, which was just something I did not see coming at all. I thought like net, I thought it'd be like Netherlands, then maybe Italy. I think I had, I don't remember. Um, but it ended up being Cuba and Italy at the top. 
uh, based off of, you know, the tiebreaker rules with Netherlands, Panama, and Chinese Taipei being left out um, and going home. And then in Pool B, the expected Tokyo. And then um, is Australia over Korea an upset? I feel like Korea, I, I could have seen yeah, Korea I, going. I think Australia. me and a lot of other people in Korea is easily second best team in that pool. Maybe compete with Japan to be the best team in that pool. So for them to go home after pool play is shocking. Especially, yeah, they beat China like by 20 runs this morning. So I didn't actually know that they were only two and two. That's, um, they probably beat the Czech Republic. Yeah, they, I think they lost to Australia. That was it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Japan goes four and oh, Tani goes crazy on the mountain and, and hitting. I mean, seeing that, isn't it amazing seeing that guy play for Japan? Is it just not the coolest thing ever? He's just, you realize how much better he is than anyone else in the world. I mean, like you see it in the US every day and then you see him go out there on a world stage and just keeps doing it. He hit, was it two home runs or just a home run and a long double? But he just absolutely hammered a couple yeah. of baseballs and pitched brilliantly and just was a fan favorite. Um, was also super respectful, fun. I mean, there's really not much more you can ask for in a superstar than Shohei Otani. Yeah, I think uh, – and also the Tokyo Dome was electric. I mean, that was a crazy atmosphere, was it not? That was just – some, some baseball and I've never I've never seen anything like that really um or you know maybe at times but I've never seen that kind of I I, I told Malcolm about this stat I don't know the validity of it because it seems um quite quite a stretch but like half of the like uh available I don't know TVs or population of China or something was tuned in to the to one of the Japan games at, at a point and uh, that was the game that Japan that Otani hit that like moonshot of a homer, um, and I just thought that was crazy. Like the national dedication, the national interest. Like in America, um, there's such a small proportion, a small portion of people that are watching it, and there's just a lot, a lot more people in America um, for stuff like that. So that's good. But it's you know, like we were saying earlier, it's more like an America's pastime, uh, feel good kind of game to go to, but. In Japan, they really, really want to win this thing. And they've got a great chance at it. Yeah, it's a point of national pride for them to go out and win this thing. They really care about this. And they're showing us and the rest of the world what they're made of as far as baseball goes. And, yeah, they really, really care. Um, But, yeah, it's just been so much fun to watch this high-level baseball, the passion, the interest. And even if we're hating in the U.S., like, I think we and Max talked about the other day, there genuinely might be nine or ten hall of famers in this u.s team like you can make an entire starting lineup out of future hall of famers so and someday we'll look back on this team and realize just how incredible i mean we realize it now but even more so i think someday we'll look back and be like that collection of talent had generational players at every position and it's just wild when you look at it and they might not even be the best lineup in the world baseball classic because the dominican republic team might have just as good of a lineup and that japan team can mash and like it's crazy the amount of talent that's in there, especially on the offensive side. We were talking the other day, if you built a lineup of the nine best hitters every position in baseball, I think for me and Max, I think we decided that Carlos Correa is the only one of the nine guys we'd have starting that lineup that isn't playing the World Baseball Classic. He was scheduled to play, but then he had a baby. Also news, Carlos Correa had another baby. That was exciting. Um, that all went well. He and his wife welcomed a new son into the world. Um, he'll be back in Twins camp soon, but for now he's with his family and we're super happy for him. But anyways, to my further point, Correa is the only guy that's not in like the top like 10 or 11 hitters we put together that isn't at the World Baseball Classic. It just tells you how much 
these guys care about and how much they want to represent their country. Yeah. And, um, and that's, that's, it's so exciting to see. Um, I think I forgot the lineup that they put out the first game, but it was something like Mookie Betts, um, Mike Mookie Betts and Mike Trout back to back is such a, that's just a lineup I, I thought I'd never see. Um, it's, it's crazy. And then Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, Kyle Schwarber, who we just know Kyle Schwarber is one of the more clutch players out there. Trey Turner, Kyle Tucker, JT Oriamuto, Jeff McNeil. JT Oriamuto is batting eighth. Eighth. He is the best catcher in baseball. Um, and again, you know, my, Mookie Betts is arguably the best right fielder in baseball. It's very arguably, you know, there are so many different debates. But Mike Trout, best center fielder in baseball, best, best player in baseball, hitter in baseball. Um, one of the best third baseman, if not the best. Yeah, yeah, very arguably, probably. And then Paul Goldschmidt, you could put him and Freddie Freeman very close right there. Um, Kyle Schwarber, one of the best, you know, DH is such a weird thing to, but, you know, he hit 40 plus homers last year. Um, Trey Turner, top five shortstop without a doubt. Um, and Tim Anderson right behind him is an easy starting, starting shortstop. Bobby Witt as well on the bench. Uh, Kyle Tucker is a bright young star, great left fielder. Um, Jeff McNeil had the highest batting average in all baseball last year. And then you've got Will Smith, Kyle Hagashioka, Pete Alonzo is on the bench. Pete Alonso's on the bench, and it's Cedric Mullins as well. I mean, that's just such a fantastic lineup. And I don't know, man. It's tough. Like, the DR has a catcher, Gary Sanchez. Which um, is their weakness, I'd say. No definitely. Gary Sanchez, we love Gary, no. former twin. But if Gary Sanchez is a weakness in your lineup, you got a really, really, really strong lineup. Yeah, exactly. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, love Gary Sanchez, but. Um, then their outfield is Juan Soto, Julio Rodriguez, Teoscar Hernandez, Julio yes. Jimenez, whoever you want to. Just stop and think what there. you just said. Juan Soto, yeah. Julio Rodriguez, Teoscar Hernandez. Yeah. That's ridiculous. I, That's the thing ridiculous. is, I'm putting the U.S. right up with that, if not a little bit above, yeah. just because Teoscar Hernandez, that third spot is a little bit weaker than like a top. Teoscar Hernandez is only a top 15 outfielder in baseball, not a top five. You're right. It's no, a, no, it's, it's but uh, don't get me wrong. It's, it's no, not I know just what you're saying. that it's true. I, I'm only comparing them to the U.S. I'm not comparing them. It's, it's not like the Czech Republic, you know, it's all due respect, you know, besides Eric Sogard, I love the team. Um, but yeah, I mean, these are all stars for their, for their own teams. And then Nelson Cruz at DH, yeah. soft spot in their hearts for that. Ellie. Um, their infield, they've got uh, Devers at third, shorts. Oh, Manny Machado at third. Yeah, I think uh, at first, I don't know who 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 they've been running out there. Short is like Jeremy Pena, Wander Franco as well. Second base is like Robbie Cano, Cattell Marte. Like first base, like Franco and Pena play second base is what I've been seeing. Okay, okay, those, and then Candelario is at first. I would. Yeah, is first? Okay. He's supposed to be Vlad that Guerrero, and that's one that's a big loss. For that's them. a big loss. Yeah. Vladdy at first, which would have been so much fun to see him in the middle of that lineup. But so if I'm gonna be honest, I'm gonna say the US has the better lineup. Like I'm gonna say it definitively, but it's not by any means a, a long shot. It's it's very close. But then the DR has the better pitching staff. The DR has the reigning NL Cy Young Award winner, Sandy Alcantara. Yeah. And you think about just how young the, that lineup is, too. Like so many of those guys, Soto, Franco, <clears throat> Pena. Rodriguez are all under 24. Devers is still really young. Like that team is young. Vladdy, Vladdy is still young. Sandy Alcantara is still young. Like that team is going to just keep getting better. And that DR team has a very good shot to win this World Baseball Classic and will be a stronger team next time around as long as all those guys show up again. 
Yeah. And I think the, the thing for me that, that puts the DR as a higher seed just above the, above the U S is their pitching because um, I mean, you look, so they have Sandy Alcantara. Now I can't say I, I really know like the, the, their entire one through five rotation, but it's like Alcantara, Genesis Cabrera, uh, Johnny Cueto, uh, Christian Javier, and I don't know who else starts in there, but then, I mean, for, for bullpen, you've got Brian Abreu, Diego Castillo, Camilo Duvall, Luis Garcia, Yimi Garcia, Rafael Montero, Hector Neris. I mean, those are like established. A lot of those guys are Astros. It's kind of funny. I didn't think about that, but that's, those are all very established elite bullpen arms. And the U S has some good bullpen arms, but their rotation is pretty weak. So it is interesting that you find certain teams more predominant than certain countries rosters it's interesting to think about they have a strong scouting base like the u the twins have a very strong coalition oh rico not only they have 16 players currently on team puerto rico other stars for team puerto rico is eddie rosario and um jose brios so lots of twins connections with team puerto rico the astros have more of a connection to dominican republic there's lots of different no things you notice like that that show like the u the twins as a team have a philosophy of having a strong scouting um coalition in Puerto Rico and uh, electric moment uh, in Miami. Speaking of Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico just 10 run ruled Israel 10 zero. And they also threw a perfect game against Israel. Oh. Um, and I just saw Eddie Rosario and Jose Brios give each other a big hug. So that was just like, while you were talking, that was going on. And I just got overjoyed because um, poor Israel. I mean, that's just a tough way to lose, but um, the crowd is going crazy. I mean, it's a lot of, lot of Puerto Rico fans here. And uh, yeah, so that's that's good for them. But um, man, this has just been so much fun to watch. I mean, just the it's such a playoff feel, and I I feel like we don't deserve it. Almost like it's almost like a a like a it's almost just like a sneak peek into what the what the World Series is like. I mean, it's but it's also we're seeing players from all around the country or all around the world like. We're seeing all all these big stars in the U.S. plus all these cool stars from around the world. I mean, I just love, 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 love watching. Um, yeah, watching we should it probably so back to the Twins since that's normally where oh, our podcast. But before we do, there's boy. one more team I want to touch on. We touched on briefly, but that team Venezuela is so much fun too. Luis Arise, the heart of their lineup with Jose Altuve and Ronald Acuna, and Pablo Lopez, one of their top starting pitchers. It's just a really fun team. Miguel Cabrera is there, hitting the middle of their lineup as a DH slash pinch hitter slash veteran leader. But it's just a really fun team, and that's a team I'm rooting for outside of the U.S. They're super fun. They're off to a 2-0 start, having beaten the DR in Puerto Rico, the other two best teams in their pool, and looking really good for advancement, which is fun. And getting to root for um, Pablo Lopez and Ho- Luis Arias playing together is really fun, too, just because of how they got traded for each other. Yeah, and here, Mark, I'm going to quick go through their their not entire roster or anything, but like I'm going to give you their their – you know, positions and, and just hear me out. Salvia catcher, first yeah. base is Luis Arias, Jose Altuve at second, mm-hmm. third base, or third base, you got like Eugenio Suarez. You can have like Eduardo Escobar short, or also at second, you can have like Andres Jimenez. But at short, you have um, guys like Glaber Torres, Luis Renifo. Um, and then in the outfield, Ronald Acuna Jr., David Peralta, and then Anthony Santander has been so Peralta clutch. Too. Peralta, that yeah, first Peralta's year, been ridiculously big. clutch. 
believe it or not, Acuna has been the least productive out of the three um, outfielders. And that's a different story, but I'm, I mean, that's Anthony Santander and David Peralta have been going crazy. Then Miguel Cabrera, one of the greatest hitters of all time at DH. Then on their pitching side, I didn't know their, their rotation was like this, but they've got, so Eduardo Rodriguez, Ranger Suarez is more of a reliever, but Jose Quijada, I've heard more on him. Martin Perez, um, who's just removed from having a good season. Really good in that Jesus, game. Very good. Uh, Jesus Lozardo, Pablo Lopez. I mean, that's like a good rotation. Plus, oh, Luis Garcia is, is on Venezuela. Yeah. I forgot Luis Garcia. Um, then they've got guys like uh, – they're – I think their bullpen's a little bit weaker. They've got like Jose Alvarado as their probably top top uh, bullpen guy, but I mean that's not a half bad Venezuelan team at all. I'd put them top five without a doubt, probably like fourth in my. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm me and you have been rooting for for Venezuela for a little bit now, so it's the good to see them doing about, well. The great thing about the World Baseball Classic too is just. Because it's shorter, like baseball, we know the postseason, it's seven-game series, and there's all this baseball. play 162 games, we play series. It limits ability for upsets. Obviously, there still are upsets. There's The Phillies made it to the World Series when they had, like, 86 wins. Like, teams get upsets the playoffs. But the MLB postseason is built to avoid upsets, but with the way the World Baseball Classic is set up, with four games of pool play and then just single elimination bracket play, it allows for upsets in big moments and games with everything on the line. Every game is a game seven after pool play you play three games that are winner go home to win it all like that kind of pressure is makes it really fun it also allows for teams that no one expects to get through it all like italy made it to the quarterfinals when people didn't predict that and they could very much go all the way now they just get hot get a couple of big hits and big spots and they're the world champions it's really exciting the kind of pressure that's on every game from here on out yeah uh just final touches on this topic because we really better get moving on um but usa which i just we haven't talked much about it because we just been, there's so much other electric stuff going on. The U.S. is one and one in pool play, which is already just a surprise because we so we beat Great Britain, we lost big time to Mexico. That was an upset um, and just a shame. That was a tough game to watch. Um, again, it's the problem's been the pitching. The lineup has also not showed out very well yet. This has been so, underwhelming as well, too. It's, it's been, been yeah disappointing. Exactly. And and so they, they have a chance to redeem themselves against Edouard Julien. Um, better than Freddie Freeman. Don't even get me started. He's their he's their front he's their he's their star. So Edward Julien and the and Team Canada. Um and just about fifteen minutes for us. So um we'll update you as that stuff comes. But World Baseball Classic, that's where it's at. It'll it might be done, it might still be in the later stage. It'll definitely be in the later stages by the time we come up with another episode, but that's, it's, it's just, a, it's been so much fun so far. Yeah. Um, I think we'll take a quick break. We'll be back to some more baseball of the MLB variety. All right. Welcome to the second segment of this episode of Bomba breakdown. Um, before we have a little fun, fun activity, me and Malcolm are going to just touch on, um, some more important storylines and what's going on there uh, for the Twins, spring training. Um, they're just getting ready for opening day as, as players ramp up. You want to want to open that up, Malcolm? Yeah. Um, so there's a couple guys for the Twins that have been playing limited or haven't gotten into games yet. There are three main players that haven't gotten into games in spring training. And there's differing reasons for them, according to the Twins, and differing 
um, prognostics on their injuries. But the three guys that we're worried about that are guys we all saw being we saw being starting players for this team this year and key contributors are Byron Buxton, Jorge Blanco, and Alex Kirilov. And for me, hearing any sort of injury concerns with those three players in particular is super scary because they're all guys that have dealt with consistent injuries throughout their career. And the injuries they're dealing with now are injuries they dealt with before. I think Buxton's actually, this is going to be crazy to say, the one I'm least worried about as far as the injury goes, because I don't think Buxton is actually really that hurt. I think they're being really careful with him, but like he's been saying, he's just been taking live at-bats on the backfield instead of actually getting into games because it allows him to take 10 at-bats in an hour instead of taking three at-bats over the course of two and a half hours. It just means more swings for him and less risk of running into a wall in center field. Well, I'd like to see Bucks now out there so we can all see for our own eyes that he's healthy. There was video of him hitting off Kentamaya today, so it's not like they're just like pretending like an injury isn't there. He has been taking swings. He's been getting at bats. And for them to just play it safe with him and not risk him is a totally realistic situation. The other two I have a little more concern about, but I'll let you talk about Buxton first and share your thoughts on those other guys too. Um, yeah, just – uh, overall, I, I don't think this is anything new with Bucks, and I'm not surprised. I, I'd say I'm, I, I was like, oh yeah, I hadn't really thought about that, the fact that this would be happening. But um, Byron Buxton, um, we know that Buxton had his his like knee surgery or whatever um, to end the season, but that was something that would hopefully help his his knee more long term, um, and. Um, sorry. Anyways, I'm, I'm I'm getting distracted getting ready for this USA game. I gotta I gotta clear my head. We're going twins here. Um, but yeah, Byron Buxton is he's not more injured than he was. You know when the season ended. It's just that they're so worried about him getting re-injured, and he's got to ramp up because he had an offseason just healing from that surgery. So I really like what I'm seeing. I think he's progressing as they expected him to progress. Is what I like to hear. The way that that Falvey put it, I thought was really good. Is they weren't expecting him to be playing games by now, and he could get into spring training games. That's another thing that I that I like to hear. I want to see Buxton probably last five, six spring training games, get into at least a few games just to get him, just to watch him before the season starts. Because, um, but that all depends on how they react to the progression. Because they are progressing; they're not just doing the same thing over and over. They're progressing these guys, getting them more and more ready. They're progressing at their own pace, but, um. Yeah, Buxton, they're going to play it real carefully this year. There's going to be Buxton at DH for um, for maybe more than someone to hope, but that's, you know, he gets injured out there in center a lot. So it's all for good reason. But I like the way they're handling it right now. Yeah, um, I'm on the same page. I fully expect to see Byron Buxton in the lineup on opening day. That's, like I said, the least concerning one to me. I think he's going to be out there. He's going to be producing, and I'm not worried about him. I am, however, worried about Jorge Polanco and Alex Kirloff. Polanco is recovering from injury from last season still, but it's been a slow progression. He's someone I think is progressing slower than twins would have hoped. I think opening day is not in quest. It's maybe in question, though I would say it's still likely for him. Um, Just concerning to see him dealing with any kind of injury. He has had ankle problems last couple of years, really not much so much last year, but the two years before that he dealt with ankle problems and just, Again, he's a guy that is in a key spot for the Twins because with some young second middle infield prospects coming up, he could be traded or bumped out of a lineup spot, and he needs a big year to show that he can still be a key contributor for this team, which I still believe he can, but he's got to prove it. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, 
I've been a big Jorge Polanco guy. I remember, I don't think it was last year, but two years ago, um, people were really down on him. And then he had like a Miguel Sano type comeback year almost in that, in that sense where he just went crazy. And he was like our most productive hitter from like the all-star game on even earlier. I mean, he was great. And then um, last year there was, there was more, you know, injury struggles and he had left, he ten, left knee tendonitis. So um, he needed time during the off season to recover from that. So that kind of, backs everything up a little bit um and from what i can tell he's progressing as they planned on him progressing but i am also very worried because he's faced a lot of injury problems the twins have faced so many injury problems as a team it is it's actually crazy how um just every every single player it seems just is getting worse and worse but um uh yeah Jorge polanco I'd say I'm less worried about Jorge Polanco than I am Alex Kirilov for sure, because Jorge Polanco seems to be progressing as well. But um, I, I'm very skeptical. I'm very apprehensive. I, there's a chance that Jorge Polanco isn't starting on opening day because of that. But um, from what it sounds like, he will be. But I, I do want to move on to Alex Kirilov because I'm, I am pretty worried about that because he's a little bit behind schedule on that. Um, he had this big wrist surgery and said it was feeling very good. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's, it's pained him for like two, two and a half years. And um, he was ranked super high as a prospect, but then that wrist, that wrist has kept coming back and coming back. Things we've seen spurts of him being a great player, um, but he's just got to stay healthy. Yeah. Um, there's a reason I saved him for last and it was, the classic cliche, save the worst for last. But anyway, I wanted to assuage your fears about Bucks and Blanco, but I can't really do the same with Kirilov. I mean, we've seen flashes of Kirilov, like you said, being really good, but more or less the last two and a half years. He came up for a brief stretch in 2021 and played 45 games last year, but most of those last years have been wiped out by that wrist. And even when he's played, his power hasn't been what we really anticipated it being. And from someone like Max said, who was a top prospect, he's basically fallen off people's radars as a guy to look out for. And if he can be healthy, I still believe he has the talent to be that guy. He's an elite defensive first baseman, like truly specially talented first baseman who can hit, has great on base skills and good doubles power, not necessarily the biggest home run hitter, but can hit him out when he needs to and was going to be a key part of this lineup. But that risk that's wiped the last two and a half years, it doesn't seem to be a hundred percent based on the fact they haven't gotten him in there. And obviously with guys like Bucks and Blanco seasoned veterans, they don't necessarily need the game reps. With a guy like Alex Kirilov, if he was available to play games, Twins would be getting him game reps. As you can see from the fact that Larnick coming back from injury, Trevor Larnick, so a similar point in his career to Kirilov, they, I wouldn't say rushed back into games. They got him back into games about as quick as they could. Because with those younger guys, you just want them to see game reps, want them to see major league pitching and do in front of a crowd, albeit a spring training crowd. And so the fact that Kirilov isn't in games, to me, is really concerning. I think for him, opening day is very much in question. And you start to worry then about how is he himself, even when he does play. Yeah, I'm. I feel so bad, man. I love Kirloff. I was a big Kirloff, uh, the pair of Kirloff and Larnick. Um, I remember Larnick hit like a four hundred sixty-five foot bomb out of nowhere last year. I was like, dude, where did this come from? And Alex Kirloff has also showed big spurts. I, I don't know who I'm higher on in different ways. It's just they've both been injured. Is it's another big thing. Um. <clears throat> But, you know, Larnick's been healthy this spring, and I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do. I, I see him being um, starting the year at AAA if everything goes according to plan with Kirilov, Buxton, and um, Polanco. But 
I don't know. I mean, Kirloff fit perfectly into the Twins' plan at, at first base, and he was a you know outfielder, but played great into the first base plans. But now, if he doesn't start opening day, I mean, there are other guys who can play. You guys like Jose Miranda, but I wouldn't be surprised if like this really keeps up all year if guys like you know Donovan Solano or Joey Gallo don't get more time at first base, especially a guy like Donovan Solano or Max off the bench. Another guy we yeah. see, the leadoff hitter for Team Canada, Edward Julian, has some first base experience. Has shown he's really also looked great hitting skills yeah. throughout spring training in the World Baseball Classic, and was an incredible hitter all to, up and down the minor leagues last year. Yeah. Um, he's someone who, if Kirilov isn't showing up, could challenge for that playing time and potentially upseat Kirilov in terms of the Twins' depth charts. And that's he's someone who's going to be around for a while. So if he can pass Kirilov, Kirilov isn't a bad spot for playing time in the next few years. Yeah. And um, I, I don't know. I mean, there are other, there's just a lot of injuries going on in the infield um, for other people who are away right now. Um, so Carlos Correa is not injured at all. That's nothing to worry about. He congrats to him, by the way, we haven't mentioned this yet. Um, I did mention this, Max. You did mention him. Oh, well, anyways, double congrats on, I guess. But um, another guy is Nick Gordon that I completely forgot to mention, completely forgot to mention. Um, Nick Gordon suffered a high ankle sprain, a high ankle sprain about a week ago, I think, maybe, maybe two, Two Um, but yeah, it was like a week or two ago. Anyways, um, that was really unfortunate to watch. I'm a big Nick Gordon guy and I assume Malcolm is too. I mean, we, we both are a big Nick Gordon guy. He, he showed a lot of potential and he was great. A lot of that potential that we saw as a young minor leaguer, except with more power. And um, but he's been very optimistic through this injury too. Uh, he's been doing live fielding and a lot of a uh, lot of hitting drills, not necessarily live hitting. I don't really know what the situation is there, but um, he's back to ramping up, and it shouldn't be too long until we see him again. It'll be before opening. I will definitely see him in some spring training games coming up here soon. Um, so that's great to hear that it's not too serious, but um, he's out as well. So hopefully that's that never ends up being anything more. But, um, I mean, overall, there's just – I guess, like, Kyle Farmer would be the last resort to slot in the first base. So, we have that depth, but it's just depth that you don't really want to see. You want to see a guy like Alex Kirilov um, start at first base because I think if he has a good season, that would be really big for the Twins. Yeah, the Twins have tried to stockpile enough depth to be prepared for injuries, but injuries are going to happen, and you don't want them to. No matter who it is that gets hurt, you don't want to see any of these guys get hurt. We want to see them out there producing. We want to see them out there doing what they can do and showing what they can do, proving themselves and playing baseball because baseball is fun and those guys are out there for reasons. So it stinks to see any injuries, but especially those guys, guys who have been hurt before and have had time lost injuries in the past. You don't want to see it, but hopefully everyone can get well. I think we need to get into a little draft activity we Max have here. Um, it's our own little fantasy baseball here, but it's twins only. We're we're gonna each draft a team of catcher, first base, second base, third base, shortstop, left field, center field, right field, a DH, and a utility spot um, for each of us. And then we're also gonna draft four starting pitchers and four relief pitchers, taking turns going back and forth. Are we gonna snake this? Have we talked about that, Max? Yeah, probably. We haven't talked about it yet, actually. Let's snake it. Um, yeah. Um, but anyways, sorry, that was a close side. And we will then, at the end of the year, we're going to do this by war. The stat wins above replacement. We talk about a fair, fair amount. It's a comprehensive measure or 
the closest thing we have to comprehensive measure of a player's abilities, fielding, pitching, hitting, trying to scale them, considering all sorts of adjustments for ballpark, league, um, all that stuff, era. And it's a great way to compare players um, from different positions, different times in history, all sorts of stuff. And we are just going to try to draft the team that accumulates the most war amongst the um, 19 guys we're going to draft each, which means if you think, do the math there real quick, that adds up to 38 guys being drafted between my team and Max's team. And the Twins, at any given time, have a roster of 26, which means we're going to be digging into the farm system a little bit, digging into the depth pieces, the guys that are there to be a backup, and hoping that we can pull the guy that breaks out last year, a guy that would have been a late-round pick would have been a guy like Jose Miranda, who ended up having a two-war season, which would be a big contribution to this team. And those are the guys that you can hopefully find in the depths of the farm system that will make a rise and make an impact on the team. Yeah, um, let's get right into it. Do you want to do like a heads tails flip for who I have goes a first? Point right here, Max. I was just gonna say, oh, I don't, I don't know. Okay, okay, but I don't want to see anything, and I want, I want you to show your camera with where it lands. I don't. All right, I trust you. You have no trust me. I will catch the coin, put it on the back of my hand. They'll flip it on the back of the hand. I will show you the coin that's on the back of my hand. You can call it in the air, Max. Let's Ready? flip the coin for who calls it. Okay, okay. Tails. It's heads. No! I get the first I pick. I don't believe there's a huge advantage to the first picks. I think the first two picks for me are the two obvious ones. And I don't know if you feel the same way, but I think there's two guys that I would be happy to have with my first round pick. So I'd be fine with the second, but with the first, I'm going to go with the guy I trust to be out there more, um, maybe less high upside, but the one that I can rely on for a four and a half to nine more season. That's Carlos Correa, man. Shortstop, the 200-plus million-dollar man. Um, give me Carlos Correa. There's a reason we paid him all the money. There's a reason we asked for him all offseason, and there's a reason he is the number one superstar on this team. C4 is going to go boom. I'm going to win this thing. All right, yeah. Well, we'll, <laughs> we'll see. I'm going to take uh, – let's take old Byron Buxton out there in center field um, and uh, – I, I just got to stay healthy, man. If he stays healthy, he's putting up a better season than Correa, or could. I, that's not to say that Correa can't put up a better season than Buxton. They're both, you know, same draft. We know how that all went, but um, yeah, Buxton's my ceiling is two. the highest of any player on the Twins, and one of the yeah. highest ceilings of any player in baseball. And that was going to be your number two, wasn't it? Like that was. Yeah, that was, that was those are the two obvious guys. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> if I hadn't gotten Correa, I would have been happy with Buxton. Yeah. They're both. I mean, obviously, both incredibly talented. There's the reason they're the guys that this team is built around, and the rest of them are. Really I've got one guy I don't want you to pick, and, and just go. You ahead. got the next pick, Max. Oh yeah, that's right. What am I talking about? I forgot I was snake draft. Well, I am going to go. I don't want to call this a big risk, but it's. Um, no, that's not. I'm. I'm going to go with Jose Miranda over ah. there at. Okay, I'm going to say – because he's going to be playing more third base. So I'll put him at third base because that's – I think we didn't really um, uh, mention this, but the player just has to play any amount of time, one out, one inning, however much at first – at third base for Miranda. Say he plays one inning at third base and the rest DHing and playing at first base or wherever. Um, I'll still get the entire entirety of the war, but if he doesn't play any third base – then I don't get any of it, which would be a big hit. So that's another thing we should take into account. 
Yeah, um, as we get down to the bottom of this draft, we're going to be looking at guys like Julian, but maybe our first and second base slots are filled up. So we could draft Julian as a third baseman, but then you're looking at the risk of what if he doesn't play third base this year and then you don't get anything out of that pick. So it's risky, um, but you're hoping to find someone that you can slide in a position you need to, gives more value to guys that have that utility. And I'm debating a couple names here. I think for my first pick, I'm actually going to go with another one of the guys we were just talking about, which should show you some of my confidence in his injury not being too extreme. But I'm taking Jorge Polanco. I mean, for me, it's just like he's been really reliably consistent, um, shown flash of being a four-plus war player, which is an all-star. And outside of that, um, has just been reliably good. If he's on the field, as long as the ankle isn't too much of a problem for him, um, I feel like I'm getting a guaranteed three-war here and with a ceiling of five or six. Uh, yeah, that's a good pick. <clears throat> I I like that. Um, Coming back on the other side here, I'm going to take someone with some positional versatility, Um, someone that we both really love. Another guy we we're just talking about it with injuries, and that's I got to go. Nick Gordon, man. Like yeah. I'm not actually going to put him in the last fight. I'm going to throw him in right field for now, left field for now, but with the opportunity to move him around the way I need to because I think he might play every position outside of catcher this year on the field. Um, but just. That versatility is nice for me trying to put together a lineup here. But also, I mean, his speed, his defense, and his bat came alive last year. Um, he was a top prospect for a long time for a reason. I believe in Nick Gordon wholeheartedly as a very, very valuable player of this Twins team. And he's he reminds me of what we thought Mar- Marwin was going to be a few years ago, where, like, he's not necessarily in your opening day lineup. He's not in your starting nine, the way you look at it. But he's going to still end up playing almost every day because he fills in for whoever's out of their position. Yeah. I, I've been a yeah, big Nick Gordon. That's a good pick. I think um, the projections don't have him as high, but I think he'll have a good season. Um, only progressing. Um, man, I'm thinking, do I take a risk here? I got someone who want to get back to me, and I'm wondering if you're thinking about him or not. I don't know. And I could draft a are we doing just batters versus anybody? Oh, you can take anybody. Or, anybody no, in any no. order. Huh. I think okay. I know what you're thinking. But... The thing is, like, relief pitchers and starting pitchers, the war is just less. So it's starting different. pitchers can add up as much more as a position player can. But relief pitchers really struggle to add up more just to their limited quantity of innings. And that's but it's also balance the value of. Yeah. But even, I mean, even the elite levels of pitchers and elite levels of hitters, the war is just different. Um, the elite levels, you know, at the all-star level, I feel like you can get a four-war pitcher and a four-war position player at similar levels of value, yep. in my opinion. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but I am going to – dude, there, okay, there are two – I'm going to say there are two gambles that I'm debating between right now. Um, okay, first – no, god dang it, man. I don't know who to go here. I, I'm going to go with a guy that a lot of – okay, first – sorry, sorry, sorry. I'll make a pick right now. I'm going to go with Pablo Lopez right off the bat. Okay. That's going to be – it's going to be my first first starting pitcher pick um, because – I really I like what I saw in the World Baseball Classic. Call that enough for me. Um, different competition, tough 
end of the year last year, not necessarily our number one. I, I could very well see Joe Ryan and Sonny Gray being better than him and like Bailey Ober. But this rotation is so like, you don't really know how it's going to end up and end up working out for us. So, um, but I'm going to put Pablo Lopez as my starting pitcher one. And then God, I am going to go. I'm just going to tell you, I might tell you who the two guys I'm debating between are. All right. Right now it's Max Kepler and Joey Gallo. Two yeah. guys. I was thinking about going with one of them at the next turn. Um, I hadn't decided which one yet, to be honest. It's a tough one to consider. Because Gallo and they're they're just they're both like very in very similar positions looking for a bounce back year. Only difference Max Kepler isn't as big of a strikeout guy, but they're both elite gold glove level um defense. They just are looking for a bounce back year, and the shift could very well um very potentially help both of them. I am gonna go with Joey Gallo in right field. Wait, Max Kepler is going to get spots in right field. Matt, Joey Gallo probably in left. All right. I'm thinking. Yeah, Joey Gallo in left um, because Kepler will start in right. But, yeah, I've got Gallo in left. Main reason for that one is because Kepler's been playing in Minnesota um, and struggling. But Gallo, I feel like a big thing is, like, with the with the Yankees, he struggled a lot because of that, like, big market pressure, everybody booing when he sucks. I like that whole, like, Texas thing. He was really good. Dodgers, he was really good. Dodgers are also a big market team, but I feel like the pressure was a lot down, and Minnesota's the most of that. It's, I think Minnesota's that – I think Minnesota's a good fit for him, so. Yeah. All right. Um, I w- – with both Gallo and Kepler, both I wanted to talk about when we got to them in the draft, and I'll talk about them simultaneously because I think, for me, they're both on very similar levels where they're guys that – have been good in the past. They've struggled a little bit last year, but both really solid defensively. And the question is how much you can get out of their bats. And both of them have looked really good in spring training so far. I was pulling up their stats. Joey Gallo so far in spring training is at 313, 421, 563. And obviously Joey Gallo is not going to hit 313 during the year. His career batting average is probably 49. And Joey Gallo could have a really productive season batting 240. But he's not going to hit 313. But the fact that he is hitting 313 with a 563 slugging to me is just a really good sign that he's locked at the plate looking good. Even if the batting average is going to drop, um, just to see him making consistent good contact, it's good. And Kepler is even better. 353, 450, 706 slugging. Hit a home run today off the Yankees, has three doubles and just 17 at bats. Um, he's looked really good. At bats have looked much more quality than we've seen the last couple of years. Um, him getting dialed in again back to 2019 form would be huge for the team. Um, I'm actually not going to take Kepler quite yet. I was thinking about it, but seeing you take a pitcher, I feel like I ought to take a pitcher here and I'm not sure who to take. Cause I felt like with pitchers, the twins have six guys that I feel comfortable having, but it's just who to take first. Like you were saying, and you have Pablo Lopez first too. I think likely would be my first choice. I'm going to take the guy that's youngest, the guy with the most upside, I think of the group. And I'm going to take Joe Ryan. Um, I just, he, Looked really good at times last year. He struggled at times last year, but he's shown flashes of being an ace, which twins don't have necessarily that true ace right now. And I think I'm going to piggyback off of that with another starting pitcher. And then I'm going to take the oldest of the group. I'm going to go Sonny Gray. Um, I'm not sure. Sonny Gray is getting up there, but there's a reason he was, he's a really, really good pitcher. Um, twins signed him, went out and got him for a reason. He's a veteran pitcher. Good stuff. 
has been great throughout his career, and I just really trust he's going to go out there and get me 150 innings of quality pitching, both as a Twins fan and as a fantasy draft owner. Yeah, that's a that the problem, man. I I completely I, I for some reason I knew you're going to get at least one pitcher there, but um I I didn't even think about the fact that you'd probably get two. That's a that, those are good picks. I, I wasn't sure I was going to do it going in, but I just thought doubling up would put the pressure on you. Yeah. That's I think this makes my next rounds easier for me though. So, um, but yeah, those are, those are good picks. Uh, but yeah, my, my next rounds um, are going to be um, another pitcher. Actually, I'm going to keep it with pitchers and I'm going to go with Tyler Malley um, because I see, I, I see Malley having a big year, not necessarily a big year, but um, he's been consistently good for a while now. He, had some injuries last year that he was dealing with, but um, he looked good for a while there in spring training. I think he, he had a tough start um, a little bit ago, but I, I'm excited to, to see Tyler Malley. And I think those four are a relatively obvious top four there. And then you've got, you know, Ober, Maeda that could break that and do whatever. There's so much going on, you know, even guys like Barlin, Simeon Woods, Richardson that are. Did you see those? Yeah, Griffin that. Derek Falvey said they were considering a six-man rotation because initially it's really yeah. not a six-man rotation. But Bailey Obers just pitched so well in camp that initially he was going to be the odd man out, but he's looked really good. His fastball's up to like 94. We can talk about more when we draft Bailey Ober, I guess. But Bailey Ober is someone I'm really, really high on. I think he's got incredible upside. I worry about the opportunities for him. But Twins are leaning towards six-man rotation, which I would not be opposed to him. I've actually spoken in support of on occasion. Um it, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. And I think that's your hesitance to take Maeda and Ober, I think, along with me. It's just that question about the number of innings they'll pitch. Yeah, that's that's my only uh, only really question for them. But I guess I said my other pick was easy. It's not necessarily because I don't really know who – okay, random little thing here. Um, the Fangraphs has Griffin Jacks projected at negative 0.1 war. I – Especially seeing how his spring is going, there's just like, oh, there's no way that happens. Anyways, uh, looking around here, there's two guys I'm considering taking, um, but I'm going to go Kepler in the right field spot um, because if nothing else, his defense will be elite. And um, But that's kind of like uh, – that's two risky picks right there with uh, Kepler and Gallo because – I don't know. It's also kind of betting on the fact that they're going to be the only, I don't know, whatever. There'll be other guys that get starting times over Buxton as well, because he'll DH a lot, but yeah, those are my two. Yeah. Uh, Max now is the entire twins starting outfield. This is outfield right now, which doesn't make me feel super confident. Joey Gallo, Byron Buxton, Max Kepler. Um, that trio is going to be the opening day outfield, assuming no injuries. And I think you did well to get all those. Um, Kepler and Buxton have both faced injuries in the past. Gallo struggled in the past. So it's obviously risky, but the upside is certainly there that if they're healthy and playing well, those guys are going to get the opportunities and <clears throat> likely be productive. I am going to take the first relief pitcher off the board now. And as soon as I say that, Max can type in who I'm taking. Relief pitch is a limit in terms of war, but since we have to take four relievers, the best reliever has value still. 
And for me, there's a clear best league in the Swins bullpen. I love a lot of the guys. Jorge Lopez is really good. Griffin Jackson, a great year. Caleb Dilbar has been just so much fun to watch. We're big on the upside of Jorge Alcala. But there is a number one guy, and he is the number one reliever in all of baseball in my mind. Joan Duran, welcome to the squad. Huge pickup for me here in round six to get the best reliever off the board. I just had to do it. No, I, yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? I, that's, that's a good pick. Come on now. I, I can't say anything about that. That's that's just a good pick right there. Um, and here's like what Max's outfield floor right now could obviously take another outfielder throw him at DH and just screw me up, which I wouldn't put out of out of the question. But I think I could wait a little bit on the outfield here, and I'm gonna take since there hasn't been a catcher taking it. I'm gonna take the Twins. No, I've got Christian Vasquez. Um, obviously, I think both Vasquez and Jeffers are gonna have strong years this year. Okay. I think Jeffers being back in the backup role will actually be a good thing for him. It'll allow him to get better matchups. Um, they can line up with certain pitchers more, but just getting the lion's share of the catching time with Christian Vasquez, I think will give mm-hmm. me a lot of value here. Um, and I just think he's reliable. Um, there's a reason he asked us about and trade for him last year to go to the World Series. Like he's a really good veteran catcher, and the twins signed him. He was their target all offseason. Oh, I, I mean, that's my pick, but it's whatever. Um, <laughs> that's a good pick. That's a good pick. I like that. Um, he's projected to have some pretty good war there, too. I, I don't mean to mean to stop the, the discussion here, but um, U.S. Canada game, bottom one, zero zero. U.S. has bases loaded, nobody out, and the most Canadian pitching mound visit. The most nice, like literally the the he's you know he's just getting shelled so far and three bows or whatever. But the pitching coach walks out there and he goes, "How you doing?" And they start smiling at each other, just look at each other for a second. And Freddie Freeman walks in and starts smiling. They'll just smile and they have this really happy conversation. And Nolan Arenado rips a double down the line. Ooh. And there's going to be a two-run double for Nolan Arenado hey. unless they hold him at first. Hey. So, yes. hey. come on. Don't tell me they just clap. Give me some electricity, guys. I guess whatever. Pete Alonso is sad. That's whatever. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, but now I got to turn because I don't know who I'm going to go with. Um, I could – Dude, there's so many guys because, like, I'm just going to speak out loud and I'm not even going to hide this. But, like, I almost want to get, like, a Royce Lewis guy going because he's going to get a lot of – oops, I just – my phone dropped. So, you you can't see my face. Nobody else can anyways. But um, I'm thinking, okay, so, like, there's Alex Kirloff and there's – but there's also guys – and Trevor Lawrence, there's also a guy like Royce Lewis where he won't start for a little bit. But I think him healthy – I would choose over Kirloff healthy. So um, I don't know where to go there. I could also get another pitcher in like Maeda, but do I want to do that? Um, Malcolm, you feel the the time while I'm thinking here. All right, Max will do some considering here. And I will talk about the relievers. Um, It's tough to get to eight relievers, man, just because the Twins – especially in this iteration, have so much up and down at the bottom of the bullpen. Like the top four or five guys, I think to me, are pretty obvious, but where you go on the bottom half is completely contingent on who you think is going to play this year. Um, I don't want to give any names away because I want to be able to get some steals at the end of this draft, and I'll tell you more later. But I'm just curious to see who Max will stack up at the end of the bullpen versus me. I'm guessing we'll have some different names as far as guys we expect to get playing time and pitch well. And I hope I fill enough time here where Max can make a draft pick now. Yep, I'm all in. Um, I'm going to go with Kenta Maeda as my third starting pitcher. Nick, um, respect it. I, I, 
I really see Maeda having a good year. I honestly do. Like, he'll, I think he'll stick in this rotation for the entire year. I honestly do, barring any injuries. Um, I think that he's looked great in spring training so far, like really sharp. So um, that also gives me a third starting pitcher. And after that, it kind of doesn't fall off. But besides Bailey Ober, it's kind of just like very up and down. You never really know what to to expect. And there's also five, our top five, most likely probably starting pitchers in the rotation. Um, so anyways, um, then my other guy over Alex Kirloff, I'm going to go with Royce Lewis. This was a really tough one for me, man. I, I, <clears throat> you could say I could, I should have gotten Kirloff here, but I'm going to say honestly, I think that in maybe not half, but like three fourths or two thirds or whatever, probably two thirds of the at bats that Kirloff has, I think Royce Lewis will put up as much, if not more, war. Um, the defense is there, the power is there, the defense is there, the bat is there. I think the bat and defense um, are both more valuable when he's on the field than Kirilov. And I see him coming back early enough, especially with, I don't want to root against Kirilov by any means, but especially with Kirilov's injury history um, and the potential for him not even to start on opening day. Um, So I was kind of surprised that I made that pick, but um, I, I think Royce Lewis, when he comes back, will definitely have no shortage of playing time. And I think he'll be good. That's a good pick. I mean, it's risky. It's a challenge pick. You're going out there and you're take, stepping off a ledge and hoping that he comes back and is at full strength and they get him back to major leagues. There's a good chance he comes back healthy and they play him at St. Paul for two months and you don't get any value from that time in St. Paul. So it's a risky pick, but you just believe in the upside and I totally respect it. Um, I almost, I'm tempted just because of how much you talk to take him, but I was not planning on taking Alex Kirloff in this turn. And so he might actually get back to you. I know you're considering him strongly here, but for me, I can't let Max get four of the six twin starting pitches I expect to get time. Um, now that he's got three, even if he's not necessarily in the opening day rotation, all five guys aren't going to go all year long. I got to take Bailey over. I'm so high on his upside. Um, his stuff has looked just nasty this spring, looked incredible. If he doesn't break the opening day rotation, which is a crime in my mind, even if he doesn't, he will be up at some point when someone gets hurt, someone has to miss a start. We have a rain out and – you have a double header and he's got to fill a spot, but I just believe in the talent enough to play um, whatever his role is. And I expect him to get serious innings this year. Got to go Bailey Obert. And after that, I'm short on the outfield. And for me, it's, you, you said he might not break camp with the team earlier and it might be true, but I think especially with Kirloff and injury risk. And I just Trevor Larnick, man, his talent is there. I think that, He's produced every time he's played the big league level. I'm going to put him in left field. I'm going to switch Nick Nick Gordon to center field, I think, for the time being. Maybe to right field eventually. But picking up Trevor Larnick, um, I just got to do it. Such a talented player. I don't know. There's not a whole lot more I can say. I don't think this is even helping you out, but I I like – I think Gordon in center is is a safe bet because Buxton is going to be managed very carefully in center. So – there are going to be other guys who can start in center for sure, but I think Nick Gordon did that a lot last year, so I, I don't see why he wouldn't this year. Um, but anyways, that's yeah, that's a good pick. I I, I like Larnick's upside as well. Um, and now I feel like I got to get a reliever, but I feel like already my my oops my earbuds fell out. I got um, I feel like um our recording is about yeah. to run out of time. 
We will oh, take yeah. a quick break yeah. and I will, we'll be right back with the rest of this draft. All right. So we got our tech issues slash new zoom, zoom meeting opened up. Um, so all sorted out. So a uh, little U United States of America world baseball classic update. It is currently us four Canada zero bottom one first and third one out for the U S so um, looking good so far for the Americans. I think, um, a shutout would be really nice, especially for the runs against after getting destroyed by um, getting shelled by. Uh, this is the one time I'm going to root for Lance Lynn, so I'll just say that. Um, <laughs> it's but, so yeah. Root for Lance Lynn, Max. It's hard. It's sorry. hard. I got it, man. I've got it. I, I like his cutter and sinker, man. I'm sorry. I'm just I'm a big Lance Lynn guy. I, I can't agree with you on that, but you can have that one. All right. Back to the draft here. We're running yep. along on time. Um, I got to get to bed. It's a late night. I had an early morning, but. We got a draft to finish here. I got a draft to win. And it's Max's pick. L-O-L. Um, Malcolm is going to be putting the L in L-O-L. Come <laughs> the end of the season. That's kind of corny, but it's not going to matter at the end of the season um, because the Twins are going to win the World Series, and I'm going to be happy even if I do lose. So that's that's all I got to say. But, oh, are we counting postseason, by the way? That's just a quick little thing. No, no postseason. postseason. Okay, good, good, good. I would like, I like to, that. but it's not added into baseball reference board. It makes more work for us. So we're lazy. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I like that. Um, okay. At first base, I'm going to put Alex Kirilov. Um, and I just keep getting riskier and riskier with these picks. Um, I I don't know, man. I mean, you got Kirilov, you got Lewis, you got Gallo, Kepler. Like, those are really risky picks, so. Um, I'm not saying you're playing it on the safest side, but like I'm, I'm definitely kind of hoping for at least. I think at least a few of those will work out. So if if a few of those do, I'll be in a good position. But after that, I think I should take my first reliever, and I'm debating between a few. Actually, I am because I think one of these guys will get a lot of action and will be very good. But another guy. Fans would go crazy if I just came out and said Emilio Pagan. Um, uh, I think I'm going to, okay, I'm going to just, I'm not going to tell you who I'm debating between, but I'm going to go with Jorge Lopez. And I've got both Jorge, I've got both Lopez's. Um, All right. And there was one other guy I was really debating with, but I, I think Jorge Lopez, if he has anywhere near the season that he had before he got traded, the Twins got rocked just a little bit. Um, you know, after that, but uh, before he left the Orioles when he had to come to Target Field, yeah, yeah, face Buxton, yeah, lock up home. That was fun, but um, before before that, I mean, he was one of the one of the best relievers in baseball. So if he can repeat something like that, I mean, that'll be a great safe pick, not safe pick, but a great pick. Max, how mean are we being in this draft to each other? Are we out to win or are we out to have a good time? I think we should have a mix of both. Well, I'm debating a pick here that could be very mean to you, but could do wonders for my team in destroying yours. There's a position okay. in the, on the baseball diamond that's very specialized and tends not to many players that can play, and the Twins only have two of them. And I already have one of them. Yeah. I am debating yeah. taking Ryan Jeffers and leaving Max in a position where he may be caught catcherless. Yeah, don't sleep on David Banuelos, man. I'm telling you. I think I might have to be mean and do this to you, Max. Challenge you to make an outsider pick. I'm taking Ryan Jeffers as my DH. All right. I think Ryan oh, Jeffers 
like oh, I yeah. said earlier, in I think he'll get better matchups for him this year. And I think just not being forced every day playing time, I think he was pushed into a role he wasn't ready for last year. I seriously do think his de- catcher defense is really good. If he can hit even the league average level or a little below that, just an average for a catcher, he'll be a productive player. And it leaves Max in a tough spot, so it's a double whammy there. I yeah. need to finish filling out my outfield before Max does something similar to me. So I'm going to take a guy with good defensive value that plays a position that the Twins tend to need some time filled at, and that's Mike Lay Taylor. Um, we picked him up for a reason. Buxton gets hurt a lot, and even when Buxton isn't hurt, I think the DH Buxton a lot, and our next best defensive center fielder is Taylor. I think he'll get a lot of run in center field. Um, even if he's not hitting, the defense will play and should put up. I don't think it'll be an exceptional season. I don't think it'll be a four or five war season, but if he can put up one to two war, which I think I can count on, um, he's, I think it'd be super valuable here to slide the center field, slide Nick Gordon to right. Yeah. Damn. I don't like what you did there, man. That's just a shame. Um, I understand it though. That's a, that's a good pick. What if I just, what if I just said the twins are going to trade uh, like a crap ton for Francisco Alvarez? Put Francisco Alvarez. It happens, and he becomes our start. Our he becomes a catcher that we use like a lot of the year. You can try, but Alvarez is not the guy to do that with. I would just no, 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 not at all. But that's there, there is a potential. You could say, I believe the Twins are going to trade for this guy. Um, it's that's yeah. I'm, I'm not going to do that though. I, I remember a couple of years ago we did a similar draft to this going into the 2020 mm-hmm. season, and an un it wasn't a fully formed Twins team yet. And I remember we. One of us drafted a starting pitcher who hadn't been signed by the team yet in hopes that they would sign them. Yeah. Um, and expectations they would sign them. But I think I don't think there's anyone that obvious the twins bring back this year. If we would have done this back in December, I think that we would have been we would have been taking Correa with him unsigned potentially. But at this point, there is no one that's that obvious of a fit that I feel like it's worth doing that with. Yeah, that kind of leaves me in a, a spot because Jeffers would be, you know, very potentially positive. World player and the next guy's like I don't know Tony Walters. I think they have him. Um, maybe like Ben Whalos, but I don't think he's ready like that. Um, long time minor leaguer, but um, yeah, Tony Walters is who they have on there. <clears throat> so unless they trade for somebody, which is just too risky, I'm gonna leave catcher until like last pick. And you can take Tony Walters if you want. I'm not worried about that. I have a risky idea for you at catcher, but I'm not gonna share it. I'll tell you later though. All right, I'll take it. I'll take it. I know I was gonna ask for not a hint, but I was gonna ask you a question that just doesn't make sense. Um, okay, so after that, um, I gotta consider do I want to go lineup or another pitcher? Um, because we both have a few starting pitchers, we both have one relief pitcher, we both have. I'm thinking I might go. And Mike Trout just left the yard. Woo! Homer, it's 9-0 U.S. in the bottom of the first. All right. That oh, is a college shellacking. Taking it to our neighbors to the north. That's what we should do. Apologize, but... It's this girl's birth, 13th birthday, and he just hit a home run for her. So, good job. Um, Michael for the kids. Trout. We can talk all we want about Otani. Mike Trout is the greatest player on earth until someone proves me otherwise. USA, get out of the dugout. Start, you know, dogpiling him or something. Come on, guys. Oh, man. All right. They're just stuck in the dugout. It's fine. Whatever. 
Um, Max is expected. I'm going to just take more picks here. Oh, I'm ready. I promise. I'm ready. I promise. I promise. Okay. I'm going to go with another relief. No. Sorry. I'm really, I'm really struggling here. I'm, I'm distracted. Uh, but I think could. I'm not going to go that risky because it's just such a like late in the season, might not even happen this year kind of deal. Um, so I'm you know who you're deb- talking about. debating between two guys right now that um, I think you don't no, 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 no. I don't know how good his defense is, but I, I'm going to go Donovan Solano right now. Yeah, you are. That stinks. What are you seething at? I wanted Donovan Solano to be my first baseman. And I'll trade you Donovan Solano for Ryan Jeffers right now. I got other options at first base. I'm not locked oh, out. No. Bummer. I know. I'm desperate, man. I'm going tell you. Um, yeah, that's, that's fair. Um, and then you had another. Oh, my cat's hatching. Yeah, I know. I, I'm going him, and then I'll probably go reliever here just depends on which one I want oh also I'm going Solano at utility that's what no, I see wait. There. I was curious if you put him at second base and still I was wanting there too because he is a second baseman or no he, he's like he's more of a he'll play first base for us too his first and second I know but I don't know yeah so I'm at second base so it's because Nick Gordon and Harry Polanco but also they'll at least one of them will probably be injured at some point so yeah, we're, yeah, so I think it's safest to put him at utility, especially, like, I don't know. Um, now, I'm going to, no matter what, make, to make another relief pitching choice. But there's two guys. One of them is risky. One of them is also risky. <laughs> risky but um, I see him as less risky in this context. Um, I'm going to go with Caleb Fieldmark. Okay. I was wondering if you might go there when you're talking about less risky. Dealbar has been really reliable it's... last few years, but you have he's getting up there. He's 36 now. Like you have no. to start oh, when, I... when the magic's gonna run away. But I mean the fact that he's still doing what he's doing is incredible, man. Like he was out of baseball. The twins brought him back, and he's been such a productive believer for us the last three years. And I mean, his stuff, it's not like he's been getting lucky. Like all the numbers back it up. His it looks like his fastball should just be drilled, but it plays off his curveball really nicely. He locates it really well and has been super effective. Like I can't complain about that pick. Yeah, his ERA was above average, but his FIP was two four two. I don't know if you, if you knew that, but he had a whip of two a FIP of two four two, which is just like absurd. That's like he was extremely uh, he was unlucky about an extra run a game, and um, still put up a solid solid year. So. And the fact that for me, the fact that he started back up at the majors at age 33 is just like that was past, way past his prime already. So I'm less worried about the age with him as a guy who would, you know, who's just exiting his prime because age 35 to 36 is less, um, less for me. But yeah. I already put my next one on the board here, Max. And I wonder if it was the other name you were considering. You can tell me if I'm right, but I'm going Jorge Alcala. The upside is there for him to be that setup guy. The next Duran, like his stuff, he's up at 98 with the fastball. Slides been brutal. He talked about guys who had a good spring. He's been ridiculously good this spring. Just another level of dialed in. And we've seen his stuff play before. He's been injured the last couple of years. And I feel like the health risk is certainly there. Like the bar, I feel much more confident getting a number of innings. 
I mean, if they pitch the same number of innings, I would feel very confident that Jorge Alcala has more effective innings when he pitches. Yeah. Was um, that the guy you were thinking of, Max? Yeah, that was who I was going to pick. If you were – okay, be honest. If it, if it were you who had Theobar and Alcala, who would you have taken first? I think I probably would have gone Theobar as well. I mean, it's like yeah. – I think he is definitely a safer pick. I think you're right there. I think I probably would have gone Theobar, but it's a really tough choice for me. It's, it's really tough, yeah. Also, Thielbar's for me, Thielbar's a lefty, and so they they like that like lefty specialist. Him and Moran will be two big lefty guys that they'll want to use a lot. So all right. My next pick, I gotta go get me a first baseman. At least I'm putting my first base for now. Um he's the lead off here for Team Canada. Um clearly he didn't hit a bomb tonight, but has been, looked very good. I don't know how much major league time he'll get. He's certainly not starting the year on the active roster, but with injuries, I think this will be lots of opportunities for Edward Julian and the talent is, I mean, certainly there. He was the be- the Twins' best minor league hitter last year, has looked – taken professional at-bats in spring training, hasn't looked overmatched at all against major league caliber pitching, and just – I'm excited to see what he can do, man. He's – oh, the raw plate discipline. You don't see that from young guys that often, and it's something exceptional. Yeah, Rod Julian is – Oh, Mookie bet seven catch. Um after Lance Lynn gave up a bomb, but whatever. Sorry. I, I'm going to just tune out of this game real quick. I got to stay focused. We don't have that much time. But, yeah, that's a good pick. I, I, I'm i a big Edward Julian guy, especially the season the season he had last year. Um, and then I heard he was working hard in the offseason, plus the, the spring he's had this year. Um, I, he was going to get some start, starting time. this. He's going to get some playing time this year. Um, I'm excited for that. So, good pick there. And – now, it's still difficult for me, man. I don't really know where to go from here um, because there's, like, there, I don't know. It's just I have such a – the team I've got going, it's, like, catcher is not a worry for me. Second base and DH are my spots left, and as well as a fourth starting pitcher and a third and fourth reliever. Malcolm still needs a third baseman, a utility man, a fourth – starting pitcher and a couple relievers. So um, that's where we stack up there. And I feel like my best bet is going to be um, Kyle Farmer. Okay. And I'll probably put him at – I'm not sure if I want to put him at – is he at all a second baseman? He's probably second baseman a little bit, right? He plays some second base. It kind I just of, don't know if I see him. Um, trick I had that you could maybe try to pull, but it's risky. And I'll say now since he drafted him, but Kyle Farmer is the Twins' emergency catcher. With them only keeping two catches on the Ooh. roster, he is the guy that if, yeah. say, Jeffers were DHing well, or well, Vasquez was catching, or Jeffers came in to replace Vasquez and then one of them got hurt, Um, I know for a fact that Farmer is the guy that would go behind the dish. Falvey has said for the rest of the game or whatever, until they could replace them if they're injured or whatever. But there is a chance Kyle Farmer gets a couple innings behind the plate this year. And it's not something you want to count on, but there is the possibility of him being a catcher. So it's just something you can keep in mind as a possibility. You can throw him in your catcher spot if you're running out of picks later, but it is very risky. I don't know if it's the avenue you want to go. I think it would be a good move if there was like a guy that I saw getting called up and I could put him at the DH and then put, armor at like their uh catcher because then because i don't have any other lineup spots available except for second so i have i'm i might put farmer at 
either second base. Uh, I'll we'll see by then. I might put Solano at second and Car and Farmer at, at utility. But um, then if there's like a different guy that I could see um, instead of Farmer getting caught up and putting potentially more war, just to make it seem like a less risky pick, um, putting Farmer at catcher. But um, I think I might keep it safe and not really draft a potentially, uh, you know, positive war catcher. Um, but for my final pick of this turn, um, I'm thinking, okay, so I have potential to do either a starter or a reliever, really, who I'm debating. And I'm kind of thinking, um, I'm kind of thinking I might go Griffin Jacks here. Um, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm gonna go yeah. Griffin Jacks. They have him at negative one point one war. Protected believer, but that doesn't mean you can't be. Yeah, I've got Jacks. Dictate your feelings, Max. Yeah, you looked a little bit upset there. Were you thinking of taking him? I was debating taking Jacks, but no, you're not. You're not taking Jacks makes my picks a little easier here because it removes yeah. him from the equation. I was debating him another guy as my next reliever pickup. Um, and I'm also going to take a starting pitcher here. I'm going to go with starting pitcher first, though. Really, again, the order between my two picks doesn't matter. I am going to take – and I don't think I'm crazy to say that Chris Paddock will pitch in the big leagues this year. And I think that he's someone who is still super valuable to this team if he's pitching. Um, they signed an extension, um, clearly believing that the, the problem injury isn't too bad, coming back from a surgery. And he might be back around July or August, and it's possible he's going to be back at all. But for me, there's a chance he gets back around July. If he's back and – our starting six guys we picked so far aren't healthy. I think he slots in ahead of a Barland or a Woods Richardson, whoever else you might take. So I want to get Chris Paddock there um, just because I believe he's going to get innings at a level those other guys won't. Yeah, that's, I think that's fair. And it's, it's all really like at how many innings will he get, how much will he be out there? Cause I think Woods Richardson will at least get some innings, but if it's between Woods Richardson and uh, Paddock, then it'll be Paddock all the way. And Paddock, I think will perform at a higher level because he's, you know, right now because he's he's got more experience. So, and then my um, reliever pick is going to be Josh Winder. I think he's going to spend a lot of time that long relief role, getting two or three inning outings. I think as far as relievers go, he's going to rack up a large quantity of innings, more than expected. Um, and I think that again can be really valuable as because relievers don't rack up a ton because they lack of innings. But him getting more innings than average reliever, even if he's just average, slightly below average, he can still be above replacement level and put up a half a war or a war for me and that can add value. Yeah. I don't hate that pick by any means. I think that's probably where I would have gone as far as relievers, except for the guy that I'm about to pick. And that is Giovanni Moran, the Gosh. other lefty. So I've got pick? both, got both lefties in there. Um, he struggled with control a little bit or a lot of it, actually. His control is the, the big problem in this game, but he's got, one of the nastiest changeups, probably the nastiest changeup in the organization, and one of the nastier changeups um, in like the entire league. Honestly, I mean, you've got guys like Devin Williams. There's that guy on the Guardians who's got a good changeup, so it's kind of like different to compare. But he's got a really, really nice changeup. Um, so I am going to go Giovanni Moran, and then I think I got to go. Uh, since you can't take any starters 
away. I'm going to wait on that one a little bit. And I think I'm going to turn to the farm Don't do system. Don't do it, Max. There's two guys I want to get. Don't do it, Max. No, no, hold on. I'm going to say right now who they are. I'm going to say right now who they are. One of them is Matt Walner. One of them is Brooks Lee. And those two guys are the ones I'm debating between. Now, Brooks Lee is at double A and was just drafted last year. So he is what some could say further from the majors, but he's also very, very ready, um, especially to start off spring training. And he's out of college too. Matt Walner, on the other hand, has been a Twins prospect for a while. He's the fifth prospect currently. He's 25, a lefty outfielder. And I could see him getting time. Now, do I think Lee, if it's who do I think has a higher chance of getting to the bigs? I think it's Walner sooner. But who do I think would produce more if they got there? At some point, it's probably Lee. I'm going to go Walner here. And I don't know if you're going to take Lee or not, but I don't feel too bad about a Walner pick there. That was the pick I – I mean, given those choices I wanted you to make. And if I were you, I wouldn't put Matt Walner in your second base spot. I would. No, 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 no. I'm switching this around. I'm switching this around. It's not – don't worry. I'm not – That one will not I'm, be I'm playing him there, so I, I feel very confident saying that. That would be one of the – one of the most – that would be a pretty big waste right there. Um, I, I'm just I mean, with the old there, shift, so you could have put him at second base, made him your second right fielder. But with the shift limitations on, I think you have to put someone who can actually field the ground ball at second base. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, Walner can, I guess, he plays some first base, but he'll be primarily right fielder. I think we'll um, go there. So I'm putting Solano in Solano. second. Because Solano, I see having a better chance than Farmer, because Farmer's, like, very much a shortstop and um, can play second, but, like, he can also play third, and, like, Solano can play first, but I see his main role being at second, especially with, like, Polanco's questionable questionable um, injury stuff. And, like, and besides that, it's, like, Nick Gordon. Then. You still have one more pick left here, Max. Am I correct? No, not this run. I just went Moran. Oh, wait, and then, yeah, you're right. And then Walner, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, so I don't have any real rush to pick guys here. Positions left are basically separate. Um, But I'll talk through my thoughts a little bit here because, again, now that we're getting out of the stretch time, I feel more comfortable. Max, I've been very open about what he's been thinking. I feel like I've been a little more veiled, which isn't great for podcast, but – um, I'll be open to you guys here for reliever. I'm debating between Emilio Pagan and Trevor McGill. Um, I feel like Pagan will certainly get more innings, more opportunities, but I feel like Pagan runs the risk of being a negative war player. Like, I just don't believe in Pagan's skills. I feel like McGill is the better pitcher of the two. Well, I've seen a lot of project systems like Emilio Pagan to bounce back. They think he'll be the more, one of the more valuable twins relievers even. And there's a reason the twins tend to arbitration. They believe in him. But for me, I feel like the risk of a negative war from Pagan feels too high. I just don't feel safe having him on my team. So I'm going Trevor McGill here as my last reliever, filling out my reliever slots. And then I'm left with a third base and utility spot to fill. At third base, I'm going to go the guy Max was talking about, Brooks Lee. Um, I don't know that he'll get a shot in the big leagues this year, but if we see injuries, I think he'll be ready by the end of the year. He's looked like a complete ball player in spring training. Um, and if he does, I think he's going to produce well at the big level. There's obviously some risk in taking guys at double A right now. Even if he does make it to the big leagues, he could very much not be productive. 
but just seeing guys like Royce Lewis make that jump, seeing Jose Miranda make that jump last year from being dominating the minors to going to the majors, it's been a fairly seamless transition for those guys. And I would hope it would go the same way for Brooks Lee. Yeah, I like that pick. Um, and now, okay, my two Malcolm's one Malcolm has one spot that's a utility, so that's a good, um, good spot to have. I have catcher and a spark yeah, starting rotation spot number four. So I don't really think my choices are too extensive or difficult here. I guess the only question would be do I think Louis Varland or Simeon Woods Richardson will get more time? Louis Varland has had more experience in the big league so far. Simeon Woods Richardson is a more highly um, anticipated, highly touted prospect. Um, so I think I'm going to go with um, Simeon Woods Richardson here. All right. Um, man, that's a good question, actually. I want to quick check up on Varland's stats of last year. He had a solid year. Um, and I think he'll he'll end up getting a lot of time, but I also think Woods Richardson will too. I think I'm going to go Woods Richardson. Um, and it's it's not uh, as risky of a pick since it's the starting starting rotation four, but I see him almost as a Paddock kind of guy where I think he'll get more innings than Paddock unless Paddock is back sooner. Um, so it all really depends, but, um, I never know. And then catcher, um, I think I'm going to go like twins backup. I think is like, I don't think he'll get any time really, but I think Tony Walters is technically the, the guy. Um, yeah, I'll go Tony Walters at catcher just cause it doesn't really matter. I Unless Tony Walters has a legendary so yeah yeah that's that's the rest of my picks and now you got um, one more interesting there. is that with my next pick here we will have then taken all of the top all the position players who projected to get any playing time by fan graphs for the twins this year um so i'm gonna take the only other guys projected any playing time by then and I, realistically i'm i was using that list referring to it but i wasn't picking based off that list i think just our thoughts on the team line up pretty well with what fan graphs sees obviously we're both fairly knowledgeable about the team, us and watching it every day and them and being professional baseball experts. Um, but I've got to go with Gilberto Celestino, um, has played a role in this team last couple of years, gotten innings, um, not a superstar player by any means, and hopefully won't be. He's been pressed in a big league time last couple of years when he wasn't necessarily ready. Hopefully we'll get some time at AAA this year. But as injuries come in throughout the summer, if he's playing good baseball down AAA, um, he could certainly see the call up. And if he doesn't, um, I – We'll take a zero here rather than negative. Um, there's obviously some guys that will come up and play a role in this team that we don't see. There'll be trades we make or guys that get called up that we just aren't seeing as a part of the picture that just have a really hot summer and get the chance. But I think it's a pretty good understanding here. Um, if you want to read through your lineup here, Max, uh, I feel like we could do that. And then I will, after the podcast over, add up the numbers and I will add a little thing at the end, a little tag on our episode talking about what the projections were for each of us and who's favored to win. Before I do that, Max, how confident do you feel in your team right now? I'm liking it, man. I I think that it is a very um, – it's a little bit more risky, uh, especially with a lot of positions in the lineup, like Gallo, Lewis, um, Kirloff. I mean, the thing is, like, you, if Solana, you would imagine, will play at least a little second base, like a single inning. Are you kidding? 
you you yeah. would imagine he would. So I, I think that's safe. And then Farmer and Walner at DH and Utility, no matter where they play, I think they'll get some time. So I like um, my team. I'm a little bit worried because – but, no, I, I like my team. I've got – I'll just say it right now. I've got catcher is Tony Walters. That is a waste pick, a mistake by me for not taking Vasquez – or, sorry, Jeffers sooner. I guess Vasquez as well, but um, for not stealing Je- Jeffers back as Trey Turner with a long drive to left field and it's 12-1 to 1 in the U.S. in the second inning. Uh, it's gone, by the way. Uh, then Kirloff at first for me, Donovan Solano at second, Jose Miranda at third, Royce Lewis at short, Joey Gallo in left, Byron Buxton in center, Max Kepler in right, DH is Farmer, Utility Man is Walner. I could switch those. It doesn't matter. I I mean, the more likely is that Farmer starts as a utility um, yeah. and Walner ends it, but it doesn't matter. Uh, I'm going to switch that just for the for the sake of being sad. Right, you want to finish reading and your then, first? Yeah, sorry, sorry. Uh, Pablo Lopez is my starting pitcher one, then Tyler Malley at two, Kent Maeda, and then Simeon Woods-Richardson, with my four relievers being Jorge Lopez, Caleb Thielbar, Griffin Jackson, and Giovanni Moran. It's a well-picked team. Um, do you have any interest in a friendly, friendly little wager with me, Max? Ooh. On our teams um, this year, no money's involved. We're not putting anything more than just our own egos and a uh, little um, White Sox hatred. I I vote the loser on the podcast at the end of the year has to say some something about how they love the White Sox and Gavin Sheets is their favorite player and Andrew Vaughn is so awesome. And something along those lines, the loser has to go out here and open the podcast by proclaiming that. And if people don't remember what's going on, they're going to be really confused by that statement. What do you say? Okay. I agree, and I think that we open it up to the fans to, for what they think that the person should say. Can't be anything, you know, um, too egregious, but it should be, you know, you know, probably baseball related. Like you said, that White Sox thing. I I like the idea of that, um, and we will have a script along the lines of a script done by opening day. I think so that it's definite, and nobody has any bias for good or bad. Um, so we'll try to do that as soon as possible because if somebody has like a season-ending injury, then it's different. But um, you know god forbid also, but there's no yankees uh, comments because as much as i want to make the friendly competition i still want this to be i still want us to be friends and if max forced me to say something no. about the yankees we would lose our friendships so i mean we're not animals um let's just be honest here uh the yankees are not a baseball team the yankees are um a group of cyborgs programmed to bring me sadness sounds about right sounds about right, right. but yeah i will be off my team real quick before we wrap this episode up, I got Christian Vasquez as my catcher. Uh, I got Edward Julian at first base, Jorge Polanco at second, Brooks Lee at third, Carlos Correa at shortstop, my 101. I got Trevor Larnick, Michael A. Taylor, and Nick Gordon around the outfield. I got Ryan Jeffers as my DH, just to spite Max. And I got Gilberto Salcino as my fourth outfielder slash utility man. Uh, my rotation is Joe Ryan, Sonny Gray, Bailey Ober, and Chris Pettick. And my bullpen is John Duran, Jorge Alcala, Josh Winder, and Trevor McGill. And I feel very confident in my team winning this. Um, there's a reason I proposed a wager, and that's because I believe I won this draft. And we'll see how the season goes. Obviously, we hope everyone stays healthy. If they all do, um, numbers should be high. Twins should do well. Um, but this is a really fun exercise for me. Just think about the team, the depth charts, how much guys are going to play. I know it got a little long here. We we're just kind of spouting names. But I hope you guys enjoyed this as much as we did because I had a really good time doing this. And I'd be curious to see if other people – have thoughts on who went too high, who went too low, steals the draft. If you have any thoughts, let us know. Yeah, um, closing thoughts, I think 
we both had some i think all wagers and competition aside i think we both have teams that could very well each win i think that like if good things happen for one but good things don't happen for another if good thing happens for both it'll be a real tight race to the end um but i think there's some there's some potential for both and we're excited to see how this turns out. It's just something to pay attention to as the season's going along. We can update you guys about halfway through the season or whatever you guys want um, just to see who's winning. Yeah, um, that'll wrap this episode of On Breakdown. Remember, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. You can find us on Instagram at Bomba underscore Breakdown. That's B-O-M-B-A underscore B-R-E-A-K. D-O-W-N, feel free to reach out with any thoughts you have on the episode, any comments you have, any ideas of what you want Max to say at the end of the year after he loses our bet. In all seriousness, this is a great episode. Love talking baseball with you and looking forward to talking more World Baseball Classic, more Twins, and we're getting into the season here. This is fun. Go Twins. Go Twins. Just a quick update for those of you that are curious. I did go through and calculate what Fangraph projected each of our teams. Wars, Max is projected 22.8, while I'm projected 21.6, that 1.2 war gap. Gives Max a slight advantage, but should make for really fun competition all year round. Look forward to keeping you guys updated about it.